0: Welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith, and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 11. This week, my guest is Christy Oberleck. She's a writer and an artist and an illustrator, and she'll be telling us about her art and the illustrated book that she's hoping to get traditionally published. So join me later on for the interview section. So at my desk this week, well, I've had a funny week. This week, I decided that I needed to get on a different social media platform. You may remember, if you've been following the podcast, that I went to an indie author show in London a couple of weeks ago, the self-publishing show, the thing that Mark Dawson does, and it was really good. And the big takeaway that I had from this was that everybody who was anybody seemed to be on TikTok. Now, I haven't really bothered with TikTok before because, to be honest, I really thought it was for a much younger audience than myself, and that writers and artists and things aren't really on there. Well, not in the way that I understand it. But of course, like so many things in life, I was entirely, entirely wrong. And there was lots of people, just authors that I was speaking to, that were talking about the TikTok thing. And what was interesting was a lot of them were saying how much they'd enjoyed it anyway, as a thing, and that they were connecting with other writers and lots of readers, but also that it was really good for sales. Well, I have to admit, Sales is something that we're all battling with, and I'd like a few more, to be honest. Anyway, the long and the short of it was there was also a couple of talks on the TikTok thing. And so I decided that really I needed to put it further up the top of my list and actually get into it. Now, as it happens, a few years ago, I bought Mark Dawson Ads for Authors course. And the nice thing about this course is that once you buy it, you have it forever. And so every new update they do, or indeed a new module that they put on there, you get it anyway. So really, it has been really good value for money, although at the time I thought it was going to cripple me. But anyway, what I didn't realise was, because I hadn't really gone back into the course for quite some time to look at anything, and everybody said, oh, you have to do the TikTok module that's now on there. And so anyway, I did do that. Well, I've almost done it. I've done quite a lot of it. And it's been a real help, because the thing is with these things they're quite complicated, really. And if you're not really into it, and also if you're trying to do it with a business head on and you want it to look quite nice, you don't want it to be a bit of a mess. And I think that's okay if you're just mucking about and having fun and doing a dance on the stairs or something. But if you actually want people to take you seriously as an author, well, you know, you don't want to muck it up. So the TikTok course has been really, really, really helpful. And and I've been doing it. So anyway, if you want to find me on TikTok while I'm on there, (laughs) and it's uh, yeah it's pretty scary because you have to do videos you can edit them a little bit and obviously you're not going to put anything out there that was too awful and I suppose really what with the podcasts and one thing another I'm having to just step right out of my comfort zone anyway and possibly if I hadn't done this already would I have done TikTok first Hmm, I don't know really I might have not bothered but I kind of thought well if I can podcast and this has been a stretch to be honest then yeah, I can do TikTok. So anyway, I'm on there and so far it's been quite nice. And to be honest, I've really enjoyed the book recommendations and I've bought a few books myself and I've talked to a few other people, other writers and readers and things and yeah, it's been okay. Anyway, so if you're on TikTok, find me. I'm on there somewhere. Right, okay, let's get on to the interview. Come and meet Christy Obelek. I know you're going to really like her. So uh, hello, uh, Christy Obolek, uh and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, DJ. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to it's lovely to meet you. So I've got lots of questions, um, Christy. I've been looking at all your stuff on your website. It looks amazing. I'll leave some links in the show notes so everybody can go there and have a look at your amazing artwork. Um, so, so it looks like you're a bit of an artist first. Have you always been an artist? Were you self-taught or did you go to university? What's your story?
1: Oh, my story. Okay, so I'm definitely self-taught. Um, You know, I took every book I could could find um, on painting after. So I'll I'll backtrack. I've drawn all my life and I usually drew portraits um, or portraits, as you would say. (laughs) And um, around when I was around maybe 20, I decided that I wanted to learn how to paint. And I've always sort of done things myself. So I just took books out of the library at that time and uh started practicing watercolor and that was what I liked. So I've I've just developed my style since then. Thirty years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, well we're all getting older, that's for sure. Yeah, because yeah, they look very sure your your watercolors are very sure. And watercolor is a it's a funny medium to um people think it looks easy because it can look a bit, you know, it can look very it can look very natural. And I think it's actually quite hard to get that look right. You know to make it I, to make it work.
1: I would agree with you there. Um as with so many things, when you first start learning, sometimes those are your freshest paintings, right? I look back on my my very first paintings and some of them are horrendous and they just they they don't even exist anymore. <laughs> but others I think oh wow I had no idea what I was doing and it came out so fresh. So then you go through a stage of learning where you know, you do overwork things until, you know, I feel like I found a pace, um, a, a sweet spot, I guess, for my work. But I'm constantly learning new techniques.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I've just illustrated um, a book for uh, my chapter book for, for my children that I also write as a different author. I'm also Tiger Molly. Um, you don't I haven't really got going on it yet, but it's out there. And and I found when I illustrated them, I just did little black and white illustrations, pen and ink. You know. And what I found was if I overdrew them, they just weren't right. They were much better if I just didn't overthink it and just went, right, I want this, and I just drew it and that's kind of what I wanted. Because it's got a more of more movement to it, more it's more natural somehow. It's easier to look at. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for his child to see. I think sometimes we can get you know, I, I get a bit fiddly, I get too detailed, and but I wanted them to be really can't even explain it clean I think yeah and I've looked at your illustration on your because you've just written your own children's book you're going for a picture book uh, the red feather and that looks lovely and you've got just one illustration there on your website that looks just such a perfectly lovely illustration it's beautiful I really really like it so tell me tell me about your Tell me about your book that you've written.
1: As an illustrator and an artist, um, I remember when I told my my father and uh, my my family really that I had I'd actually finished a book. You know, <laughs> it actually came you know from start to end. Um, I had fiddled around with it. Um, it is a rhyming book I didn't set out for it to be a rhyming book but um, it's all about um, these two children that are going out on a walk and they find uh, a feather on the the sidewalk and uh, the the little boy gets he's puzzled by this and he starts thinking well what is it that really makes a bird a bird you know and and let's make it a game and let's go out and and try and find out the answer so they they meet of course other things that are similar to birds like that maybe fly and they realise oh no other things fly so it can't be that so there's a little bit of silly silly nonsensical to it Um, I really wanted it to be entertaining for read aloud if that makes sense you know I want yeah yeah so but when I told my family and and shared the pic the story with my father he says oh well now comes the easy part the illustrations because you know that's what I do I'm like oh god dad no it'll probably take me a year to illustrate this (laughs) because um, it's the first time I've taken on such an endeavor where each character has to be the same character all the way through. And, you know, I really had to think about what what am I trying to say here with this illustration, you know, where I don't say it all, but I want it to be enjoyable for, you know, picking out those little, those little details that children love to pick out in, in pictures. So I have to say that the illustration is definitely the hardest part for me.
0: And did it take you a year?
1: Uh, no i'm i've i'm still illustrating so <laughs> i am i'm not ready i'm just about ready to um to query or to to look to see if there's interest in having it published traditionally um so the story is clean and uh, half of the illustrations are done but i've read that and i've heard from people that it's really not a good idea to illustrate the entire thing if you're hoping to go with a traditional publisher because your agent or publisher might want to change things. So I'm just tidying up um, two or three that I really like so that I can start querying.
0: Yeah. Are they in color or just black and white? You know, I love just the
1: sketches. I really do. But I will add some color. Um, the The color that I add, though, will be toned down, if that makes a sense. I'm really fond of of the, you know, the old picture books with um their limitations in colour. And uh, I want it to be more drawing. I want the drawing to stand out more than the colour stands out.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And actually, I think that's some of the beauty of those old things is that they had such a small colour palette. And I like, can still remember picture books I looked at myself or read to my children when they were little. And they have a, a real charm still. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're very wise to do that not use the... And it's a bit like when you even when you do a painting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you just... You, you're much better to and try you're trying to teach others if they're sort of having a lesson off you or something to not use all the paints in the box yes. is, is actually exactly. yeah exactly. exactly yeah exactly that's exactly what you've got to do um now I'm a self-publisher I'm an independent author so I have to say why don't you independently publish it because it's entirely possible and you've got a really good um forum with your art where you know people already know you um,
1: I, I have thought that um, I might self-publish. In fact, I went onto Twitter um, just recently. I just joined recently on Twitter to see, you know, okay, Christy, let's see if you can, you know, find your tribe and see if there are people interested in, in what I'm doing, you know, in case I do decide to self-publish. Um, you know, it, it does get tiresome, as you know, as an illustrator and author, wearing all the hats. Um but I do intend to get this story out into the world. So if I am not happy with, you know, if either I don't get an agent or I'm not happy with uh, with anything, then I will definitely explore self publishing option. Yeah.
0: Well, if you need any help, you know where I am. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, I really appreciate. Yeah, I'm just about to um, publish a, uh, or finish off sort out publishing a, a picture book that I wrote 30 years ago, and I've got big. Plate illustrations that I did all that time ago, but I was I was much younger then and, and more beset by imposter syndrome, and thought they were all rubbish and put them away. And then I the other day I suddenly thought, what if I still got those? And I got my husband to root in the loft. We've lived in this house forever, anyway. He found out a big portfolio, and there they were. And I looked at them and I thought, you know what? They're fine. And there's a few little things that I can fix, but I could do that in Photoshop now in the modern world. Of course. And I've scanned them through and there's a few things that I'll change. Long since lost the words, but I'll rewrite it. But it's funny how, you know, you look back and think, you know, that was fine. If I just had the confidence, I could have done so much more. You know, so if anybody's listening, do um, have a bit of confidence in what you can do because you're probably better than you think.
1: Oh imposter syndrome it it plagues all of us it really does every time i'm asked to you know do a workshop i'm like oh no i'm i'm still a student i don't really have anything to share you know and uh you know with my work when they compare me to other you know artists that i i really look up to and i'm so so you know it's such a huge compliment right but I think you know god no 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 I'm nowhere near the caliber of of what you're comparing me to and that imposter syndrome I no matter how much confidence you exude it's still there I think it's still yeah
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of a woman's thing as well obviously it is (laughs) yeah yeah very very much so yeah yeah interestingly I, I went to a workshop a few years ago and uh, the workshop was called uh, the Writer Entrepreneur or something like that. Okay. And and when I went into the workshop, uh, most of the people in the workshop were male. There was only a handful of women, and I thought that just shows the imposter syndrome. The rest oh, yeah. of us think we can't make a living from our writing, and we're not, or we're not good enough to be there, or we're just still sorting it out, or mm-hmm. we'll we'll get better tomorrow. But the men thought. I've done this and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make a success of it. And I just thought that's a very interesting thing, that demographic. It really made me think, you know what? I'm fine, I can do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got this.
0: We've mm-hmm. got this. We so have Christy. We have so got we have mm-hmm. so got it. Do you think you'll do more in the red feather thing? Do you think you'll do is there another book in your head? There's probably several books in the head. Which you think book there's I always do a next? Couple.
1: But I definitely, um, as, I don't know if you're, you're familiar, but I'm definitely, I'm a birder and I I, saw I, that. Studied, yeah. I studied birds and um, um, all volunteer with, uh, the, um, with the breeding bird atlas in Ontario, which is, you know, studying the breeding habits of birds in, you know, to find out who's here and who, you know, for conservation. So I always have bird stories in my head and before the red feather happened I had one that I was working on um, about some barn swallows who come back from their vacation in you know Florida or wherever and they're all ready to go to their um, their house and it's been torn down um, and so there's this so it's a more in that story in my head the the birds they'll be um oh, anthropomorphic I can never remember how to say that word um, they will be, the birds will have, it'll be their story. Yes. Where right now it's the children. Yes, yes. Um, So that's a story that's, you know, that I've written a little bit about, but it wouldn't be a rhyming story. And then I also have another one in my head about um, a child going off on a quest to find a bird that the rest of the world believes is extinct, but hasn't really said so yet. So um, that's another. And because I don't, it's not that I'm trying to, it's not that I want to educate, but raise awareness. So if a story, you know, makes it makes a child maybe think, oh, I want to find out, you know, why that bird is extinct, or you know, want to find out more about them, that to me is a great thing. But if it's just a story that they're entertained by, that's wonderful too.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to have those two two things within it. And also I think the modern child isn't always very into nature not like perhaps we were when we were younger and i don't think they're really aware of different types of birds or what they're called or where they come from or the fact that they migrate or any of any of these things or what a feather is in fact and, exactly. I, and I think it, i yeah. think it's really interesting i used to be a primary school teacher and i used to work in a big inner city school and it was great to start a nature table because i worked with early years and it was amazing how many children just had no idea about anything you know really basic things and I remember sitting there one day and saying now okay so where do eggs come from and about half my class thought eggs came from cats that cats laid eggs cats
1: Cats. so it's not
0: even vaguely you know so then I, I spoke to my head teacher about it and we got an incubator and I hatched chickens eggs every year after that just to show them what happened you know that eggs hatch because they just didn't understand it and it was amazing to them to see these city kids holding these newly hatched chicks it was extraordinary oh, wow that is really cool yeah and, and this is and, and this is not like i live in a, a a really built up area i'm not in birmingham i'm in southern england you know the city was bournemouth it's not that built up and yet the children just didn't know normal things so if you can bring it in a book And especially a book that's nice, like you say, you're interested that it's going to read aloud well. I think that's actually really important because, you know, the school teacher, the parent, the other adult, the older sibling, you know, if you enjoy reading that and it's got a rhythm to it, then you're going to do it again and again and again because it has also performance quality to it. And I think that's a really important thing.
1: It does. And for me, I have a background in um, performance art. I was a dancer and uh, a vocalist for time. And um, that that was really how I was raised, was was in, I guess, storytelling, you know, with your body and with your, your words and singing and stuff. So I learned a lot about um, the different types of rhyming when I wrote this book, because I was determined to make sure that the rhythm was correct and that I stayed with the right, you know, the correct rhythm and don't ask me right now which one it is. That's it's not iambic pentameter, but <laughs> um I did make sure that it was was the same all the way through.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it is really important because it, it's it, and it's funny how whatever we do, whatever we paint or write or you know your children's books now it, all of our life comes into it you know like you say you've performed you you understand what that's like and and all of that has a bearing into making the art that you're producing now it's extraordinary and it is really good I really like your drawings <laughs> and, your, and, your, and your artwork when I looked at your website and I thought that's why I asked you on because I saw a little thing on Twitter and I just thought oh she's really good let's have <laughs> somebody that's doing some illustrations because I've talked to a lot of people that just write. You know, we talk about their book covers and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's it's great to talk to a fellow artist who's who's got that. Although I'm just making assumptions here that you're mostly old fashioned paper and a pen. Are, are, do you do digital stuff as well? Do you mix um, them do, both?
1: I I do mix them up a bit. So although i I do use Procreate quite a lot. I mean, I, and I have Illustrator and Photoshop that I've used in the past too. I find Procreate to be really good for. Um, fixing a painting that maybe didn't scan the way it looks in in you know in real life, right? So maybe maybe some things just didn't come out the way I wanted them to, and so that's where I'll use Procreate. Maybe I'll add some splashes or things that I didn't have on the original that I used to do you know by hand, so that I have options for changing them, and it allows me to take a basic illustration and then use it in different contexts because I always have that base illustration to go back to if Mm -hmm. I've, you know, maybe added something in procreate for, for a greeting card, you know, I can still, it's, it's not set in stone. I can go back to the original piece and change it up a bit. Yeah.
0: So that's part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm familiar and I'm comfortable with, with digital processes, but at the end of the day, I am a pencil and paper person and uh and watercolor i still prefer to use the real paint than the paint um you know the painting tools in in procreate or somewhere like that
0: yeah i i find when i'm writing i have to have no interruptions i have to have headphones on i've got to get in my space but if i'm doing art i'm not bothered i can do that anywhere i'm, I'm much more um easily interrupted and not going to kill you if you interrupt me <laughs> do you have a difference with with I think I find writing harder than the art, to be honest.
1: I I would think so too. Um, in my case with the writing, I've always done what um, oh I can't remember her name, but you're probably familiar with it. There's a, a thick book, and <laughs> it's about oh the artist's journey. The artist's yes, journey. Yes, I know the artist's yeah. way. The artist's way. Thank you. Yes, That's so I know. I
0: can't think of her name, but she makes you could do wants you to write morning pages. That's exactly. glad, it? and I'll, yeah, I'll put it exactly in the show notes I can't think of her name but I know exactly the book you mean yes yeah lots of people yes, love so. that but I can't get on with those morning pages myself
1: well I did do it and this was when I wasn't writing so it was really just journaling and sometimes I would start by just throwing in some song lyrics to whatever was on the radio at the time in the morning and just keep going until my three pages were done but now uh, instead I just use it I've sort of adapted it to that whole mentality of cons- create before you consume. So I get up in the morning and before I look at any other social media or or bring out um, or bring out um, a book or anything to look at, I just sit down with my sketchbook and pencil and create something first. And it might be nonsense, and I might never use it, but it could. Sometimes those those sessions have turned into a little, you know, a couple hours. And I've gone off track here. You did ask if I need quiet for that. No, I need people to leave me alone for sure. But I have a room full of uh, rescued birds that are all free flying. So when I'm working, I have constant um, chatter, but it's it's bird chatter. So it's, it's inspiring.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do like the company. I have a whippet dog. Who, who I was up oh. very early walking this morning and she she's a rather peaceful soul though she's quite young dog she's only a year but she'll come in and she'll just lay down in the back and I just kind of like having her there that's just something very calming and peaceful about uh, any animal I think that's you know part of your day I think is, is delightful why birds then Christy why have you got such a fascination for birds where did that I'm- start do you draw, you draw birds more than anything? Well, according to your website, there's a few portraits, there's a few little landscapes, there's always a little bird in there, though, I've noticed almost yes. nearly <laughs> always.
1: <laughs> it wasn't always like this. Oh, my cat's just coming around. <laughs> it wasn't always like this. Um, I I was always just portraiture. And somewhere along the line, I I started drawing birds and, and painting them. And You know, I can't say when it was maybe 10 years ago that I started to learn more about them. And, you know, when you find I became passionate, you know, it it was just a subject that I became passionate about as I as I as the awareness grew within me of of how many birds there are. Um, I'd always been interested in animals. In fact, I worked at a koala park sanctuary in Australia when I was young and uh, and worked with the birds there as well but really it's something that's grown with me. And at one point I said, that's it. I'm not doing any more commissions for portraits because that's not where I want to grow my art. It's not helping me grow. It's holding me back. And that's when I started doing more and more birds. And now, you know, I don't draw, I don't draw as many birds, but I'm more involved in it. So um, part of this book, I guess, is, good for me because I'm branching back out into you know a little bit of portraiture but it's it's whimsical.
0: And I think it's important to when you get to a point in your creativity that you think, oh, actually I don't want to do this anymore. And everybody goes, oh but you're so good at it and <gasps> blah blah yes! blah. And you actually go, no, actually I've taken this as far as I want as a creative and now I'd like to move on and do this new thing or learn or expand this other part of myself. And I think Sometimes you have to be really brave and go, you know what, this is what I'm doing now and and not, not worry about it.
1: Yeah. yes to all of that yes to all of that
0: when if i if i have a blank bit of paper and i and i draw something uh if i if i'm doodling hello cat <laughs> uh if i'm if i draw something i always draw a horse because i drew up on a grew up on a on a stud farm and horses is what i draw if i'm not thinking about anything else and i just happen to have something that will make a mark you will get a horse <laughs> and yeah. i can draw horses like nothing you know and it, it's quite interesting so i'm imagining that if you're on the telephone or something you're just drawing birds and you know, is there a particular bird that you always draw? Um, I I do tend to go back to wrens. I'm very yes.
1: fond of wrens. I love the the round birds with no you know no neck and little little jaunty tails that stick up. So I I do usually draw birds. If I'm doodling, there are more quirky birds with long legs. <laughs> yeah, and I think it took some, as in your case, some self-realization at one point that really my. My history, and this is what I was going to say, my history, even when I was a dancer in competitive dance was character. I, I I don't know if they even have this anymore, but you know back in the the early 80s, it was character dance that I excelled at. and it was not ballet because you know I, I, I would do things that you weren't supposed to do in ballet, you know. And so I fought with that so many years. I fought with trying to I fought with trying to be something I wasn't. Like I had to prove to someone that yes, I could do classical ballet or that I could do this. And it took years and years, decades for me to finally wake up and realize that, you know what, that character work, you know, I don't have to be a, a fine artist. If, if what is really true to me is drawing happy characters, then maybe I should, you know, embrace that and, and spend the, the second half of my life, you know, doing doing that because those seem to be what gives people
0: joy anyway. Yeah, because it's got an, an honesty and a freshness about it and I think that really shows in in the work that you create. Yeah, Thank I think you. I think you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Embracing the initial sketches which do have more life as you say, you know, and saying no that's that's actually my best work, you know, <laughs> the the initial sketches and it's hard to take that life back. Um like when she started refining it it's hard to keep that life so that's a challenge
0: yes that yeah. movement yeah I think I think you I think you're right um I really like on your um on your website you've got a really lovely and most unusual blog with your nice uh sketchbooks and your thoughts and little drawings and alternates and I think that really shows you know like you said the artist way where you are, are those some of your morning pages on on that?
1: Absolutely. If I'm not out, um, doing morning birding, because I do get up quite early to record the birds, um, survey them, you know, survey them. So sometimes I'll sketch while I'm out surveying and other times I'll take photographs so that I always have something I can sketch, you know, where I might wake up in the morning and think I want to do, uh, that black billed cuckoo that I saw, you know, last week. So I can bring up the, the photograph and just sketch, um, and that's you know, and I'll have like maybe five or six photos of it in different poses, and uh, it, it helps me. It helps me loosen up and just get familiar with uh, with with the bird.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there's nothing like repetition for, for honing you. And I think you probably find that with when you're drawing the little characters for your stories. You know, the people. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to draw them again and again and again and again. You know, turning them and moving them and and little little things like that. Because it's it's actually quite hard. I. Uh, My drawings, like you say, I've done pen and ink just on paper for this. But there's something very nice about the old um, when you're doing digital art because it's so movable, you can keep changing it and keep the other bit and things like that. I use a light box so that I can put the original drawing on that and then draw again over the top of it and then draw again over the top of that so that I can keep what I want and keep almost like replacing you know, until, until I think actually the original was fine. No, Having right? <laughs> <laughs> mean, said all that, and I usually do, I go, I don't know why I'm knocking about. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what has been helpful is um, sometimes when I'm sketching, I'm not paying attention to you know maybe I've made the limbs a bit too long and I've I've I've, abs- I've aged my character from one page to the next just by making it taller. And uh, I find Procreate, for example, really good because I can scan it in and I can, you know, warp it and squish it down again until I get, oh, yes, that's the way that character looks. And then use that as my, it helps me to understand where I went wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it's it's all about the Uh, self-editing. I have um, in my daughter, I have, I, I always call her my artistic editor. And if I'm doing a book cover or whatever I'm doing, I quite often let her just take a look at it because she just has a a really good eye for – she can't draw herself, but she has a very good eye for design and layout and whether things just need <clears> – <throat> excuse me – whether things just need to be tweaked a little bit to the left or they really shouldn't be blue, they should be pink or I don't know what mm-hmm. really. And she'll go in and she'll just go, oh, hold on a minute, and she'll go, Ugh. so do you have somebody like that who who's almost like your critical friend who can come in and – Whose whose ideas you trust that you, that could come in and give you a hand because we all send our words off to the editors, but then it's actually quite hard to get your art because everybody uh, the trouble with art is a lot of people looking and going oh it's lovely and I think mm, but actually it's not quite right and I don't know why.
1: Unfortunately, I'm usually it usually all comes back to me for for the art. Um, I I think it just might be my circle of friends or. Um, my father will definitely tell me if he thinks something is too, is wrong. You know, he'll tell me. So I, and he has a good eye. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy bouncing things off of him. But I've learned to self-edit. You know, even if someone says, no, it's great. I'm like, no, there's something wrong. And I don't have anyone that I can really bounce it off. But, you know, I'm hopeful. I've actually met some wonderful people on Twitter that, you know, um, it's hard to find someone that, that you know that has the right has the same view as you so whatever their suggestions are are going to make it better you know they're not going to take it off in some different tangent that isn't what you saw in the first place in your head
0: yeah exactly because I think you've got to have that original integrity and not not lose what you set out to do yeah absolutely well it's been lovely to have you
1: and I've enjoyed being here. You've made it um, very easy. Thank you, DJ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so well done you. So where can people find you online?
1: christyobalek.com
0: Lovely to talk to Christy about her artwork and her upcoming book, The Red Feather. I wish her lots of luck with it. If you get the chance, do go and have a look at that website. Her watercolours are really pretty. And I believe she sells them on Etsy as well. Anyway, links in the show notes. You can find the links in the show notes on my web- website, website. And I think they kind of pop up across the podcast things that you get. Uh, My website, as you know, is djbowmansmith.com. Join me next week, next Monday, my guest is Halo Scott. And Halo writes more dark stuff. She says she finds more truth in the darkness. And also, I write quite dark stuff too. And we have a real, a real chat and a proper laugh about it all. And she also talks about how she did our book covers herself. And actually, they look really professional, so I to think she's done really, really well. OK, until next time, this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. And thank you for listening. Music.